0: The Good Pals Podcast with Matt Stock and Zach Stevens.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Good Pals Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stock, and I'm live from our new location up in the lab on Lake Linden, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my producer, and my good pal, Mr. Zach Stevens.
0: Stevens! What's up, Matty? What's up, guys?
1: We're back, Stevens. We're back. This is the second time, I think, in the run of the show where I've said, we're back, because we had a little break. Yeah. Both times beyond our control, though.
0: Unforeseen circumstances. I've Unforeseen
1: circumstances. This. I think the first time around, we were just hella busy. You know, something along those lines. That's fair. And we had a two-week break. because when I went down to the islands.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. What Oof. a
1: fucking trip that was. But, um, yeah, so we had some new unforeseen circumstances. Those of you who are listening closely will notice that I said we're in a new location. The lab on Lake Linden. No longer the lab on Lagoon.
0: No, Zach had to move. I'm Zach. I had to move.
1: Yeah. 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 Once my apartment, then your apartment. Now home to two uh, line cooks. <laughs> Probably, <laughs>
0: yeah. right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I got a... Uh, I woke up with an email... March 2nd that said to no fault of your own we uh we would like to uh remove you please turn in your key and exit the premises within 30 days so if anybody knows what it's like to live on Hilton Head or in Bluffton yeah yeah nothing like nothing like long-term rentals in Hilton Head it's tough so but I got a great deal I'm in a new spot it's comfy cozy here and everything's fucking kosher yeah we're off
1: island we're out in Bluffton now um we're in the home of the often mentioned, praised, but mysterious J Bird Stevens. Yeah. Who's returned home from his latest uh, work, from his latest work, Jaunt in Africa. And um, we got a really nice space here in the, uh, in the back bottom floor of the house for all the gear. And it looks good and it's comfortable. And I'm really happy to be recording here, bud.
0: Yeah, we're recording at night right now, guys. But uh, <laughs> this room is lovely during the day. There's like a ton of huge windows and just a bunch of natural light. Natural that. light. I'm happy. Yeah, and guess what, guys? If you li- if you're an avid listener to the show, you know that I have my cat Leo, and to say he's happy is an understatement. This dude just runs around this crib like jungle kitty.
1: Leo's loving life for sure. I took some snaps of Leo earlier. I'll be putting them on the social media. But
0: I just wanted to say, first and foremost, I'm sorry. Consistency is key. We we love to turn episodes out just yeah. a lot. I had to move, and then right after that, I went on a little concert run up in Charleston with my dad, and I'll never not. Do dad time, yeah, of course, you know? yeah. So
1: and and concert time too. That's you know we're both we're both concert guys, but um, yeah, yeah. So, um but yeah, consistency is important, and uh, I think we've done a pretty good job with it, you know, considering our schedules and everything. I just want to thank you guys. We're just looking at our numbers. We've got a lot of listeners, and not only do we have a lot of listeners, we have a lot of listeners that sort of engage us uh, in public. Me especially, like when I'm working at the bar. Um, you're giving us great feedback on the pod and just to let us know you're listening and that you're digging it. Like, that means a, a whole fucking lot to me because I love doing this.
0: Yeah, guys. And don't be shy. Zach likes compliments. I like compliments too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They say you're great and the other guy is good too. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Zach Stevens. <laughs> They're like, oh, cool. <laughs>
0: But, um, (laughs) you want to tell them how you how we we had to do a a redo on this episode? Yeah,
1: yeah, we'd like to nail my intro. I use pretty much the same verbiage, you know, which is, uh, hello, friends. Welcome to episode nine of the Good Pals podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stock. I'm up in the lab on Lake Linden, and I describe Zach the same three words every time with my co host, my producer, and my good pal, Zach Stevens. Yeah, Stevens. And I like to get that every time, I like to hit that right. And this time I guess I'm just so excited to be back or here in the new lab and hanging out that I called him
0: my best friend. And then he choked on his words and said, "We got to cut that." <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like I got six people that I told were my best friend tonight.
1: So yeah, like we're all excited. We got we listened to our pre-show music, which we'll talk about in a minute. We got hyped up, we had our coffee. We're ready to go. We're like up top. We did our vocal exercises, and then I gave Zach an existential crisis because I told him to, I told him to cut tape because I called him my best friend.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> but he
1: is—he's my brother, and he is one of my best friends. I got a lot of best friends. I'm lucky for that. But I just like you know the kids. I like that intro. I like to punch that intro.
0: That's true. I think if you've made it to like, you know, if you've made it past like twenty something and you have like one singular best friend, I mean, it's not a terrible thing, but like. I couldn't like quantify yeah, who my hard. closest person in my life yeah. is. I have different, you know, assholes for different things, like Yeah, for sure. Know, all my friends are For sure, I'm the podcast. They animal. serve different purposes. Yeah, right, <laughs> right.
1: No, hey, it's, if you got a circle, you're lucky anyway, and I am lucky. And I'm lucky that you're in it, Jackie, because we got a good thing going here, man. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah. And uh, we're going to keep coming. We got a lot of since we've been out for a while, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We missed a window. We we're going to do an episode about Creed 3. And uh, I'm sure it's an okay movie. Like I, I watched the first two to prepare for it. I uh, never went to see the third one, but I think it's double, the, the cycle. The cycle for pop culture news moves quickly, so um, we're not going to talk about Creed three. We're going to do Creed three and fight movies and something along those lines. I'm sure we will have an opportunity to talk about fight movies at another time.
0: But um, yeah, with Roadhouse, Jake Gyllenhaal's upcoming flick.
1: Yeah. I guess they're going with the MMA kind of thing on that. I don't yeah. remember MMA being involved in the Patrick Swayze classic.
0: <laughs> well, it's a re it's a redo. Yeah.
1: Haven't you heard know. anything about Sam Elliott being cast recast in his role. They should just recast him in his role.
0: Yeah, I was a little Bum that we missed the Creed week, but at the end of the day, didn't Creed didn't flop? But it's like, is anybody fucking talking about Creed anymore?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was well reviewed and well received. I'm curious about seeing it because I, I think by a lot of accounts it mirrors Rocky Three, which is my favorite Rocky movie. Yeah, I'm
0: still gonna watch it. But so
1: really. I mean, we'll get around to it. Maybe it'll be it'll be something that we do maybe a short, you know, a short bit about.
0: And we're uh, all riding the Jonathan Majors train right now. So, yeah, you know.
1: yeah. Um, but there's some stuff that uh, you know, for the early running, some stuff that I've been paying attention to, or some stuff that caught my eye. Um, or a couple things on Amazon. A lot of people have Amazon, so this is stuff you can check out. And something that's really big in news right now is an Amazon limited series called Daisy Jones and the Six. Stevens, what do you know about Daisy Jones and the Six?
0: Um, just, you know, let's be honest, Amazon is incredible with their marketing. I haven't watched the show, but I've seen about this show about 100 times. Yeah, so this, <laughs> so. Is,
1: a, uh, this is a very successful book that is written in the style of an oral history about a band from the rock and roll band from the 70s, Very much modeled after Fleawood Mac, which is a band that we both dig. I think not only musically, but also I think a lot of music fans dig the mythology of Fleawood Mac. The interpersonal dynamics, you know? Yeah, the relationship. All the stuff that made rumors, the album that it was. You know, there's more than just the music to it. We all fucking know it. Of course. Um, We talk about iconography, right? Stevie Nicks is a popular culture icon. For sure. And Lindsey Buckingham is her co-band leader that's never going to be happy about that. So... Not to give him the short shrift, but if you act like an asshole for enough of your life, you're probably a fucking asshole.
0: <laughs> I mean, and yeah.
1: I think that, you know, you're being quiet, Stevens. I hope you don't want to hurt Lindsay Buckingham's feelings.
0: No, no, I'm being quiet because, to be honest, I'm just not that big of a Fleetwood Mac fan. Oh. I, I mean, I, I like uh, eight or ten of their songs, but, like, I'm not, like, a deep dive guy.
1: What's the best Fleetwood Mac song, in your opinion? What do you like? What's your jam?
0: Um, I like Gypsy. I really like Gypsy. Um,
1: Interesting answer. Is that okay? Yeah, great song. I, I just, love Fleetwood Max. So, I just really I mean, like that
0: lyric, lightning strikes maybe once, maybe twice. Yeah, last Stevie, <laughs> baby. Yeah, she's we badass.
1: Stevie. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, I like Go Your Own Way oh, yeah. because I think it's like the best breakup song of all time. And it's good, and you can really hear that, you know, anger and then passion in it and stuff like that. But, yeah. I mean, there's oh, other rumors. I love The Chain.
0: Can I tell a funny uh, Fleetwood Max story? Sure. So, um... Obviously, I play music for a living, um, but before I really made it my full-time job, I, before I sang, I was kind of a hired gun guitar player. So, friend of the Good Pals podcast, a girl that I know listen to listened to this almost every episode, great friend, is an awesome musician, artist on the island, Mrs. Sarah Burns. Burnsy. And I'm we love Sarah to death, yeah. but when I was uh, a young lad, Sarah recruited me to play guitar opening up for this Tom Petty tribute band at Poseidon. And you know where I'm going with this
1: Yeah well I mean I'm, I am was kind of the de facto manager of that band for that. Game. I know <laughs> So I know what we're talking about We're talking about what I call the Poseidon War yeah. <laughs> The great Tom Petty Poseidon War of whatever Which is a music venue on Hilton Head to our Let's out of talk town about listeners. the Poseidon War Because I love this fucking story
0: Okay well long story short or we'll go long story, I don't care. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah Burns <laughs> invites me, gives me a great offer to be a part of this band and play guitar for her band. And if you don't know, Sarah and you haven't seen her before, she's got an awesome repertoire and just, she plays anything from, you know, classic rock up to, she crushes the 2000s, crushes the 90s. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. But her uh, her whole set list was shit I already was digging. So, <laughs> lo and behold, we have a couple of, uh, you know our set that night was awesome. It was Eagles, Casey, and the Sunshine Band. So we
1: got we have you playing guitar. The Mick yeah. Ray was playing uh, bass. Yeah, Taylor Kent, Taylor singing Kent, Africa and vocals. Sarah, and Sarah both singing.
0: And I can't remember who played drums. Nate, Nate Dogg. Nate Douglas. Drums. Okay, Nate yeah. Douglas.
1: And uh, so just
0: some cool Hilton Head people. Yeah, and um,
1: running down a dream, the ultimate Tom Petty tribute band, <laughs> is performing at Poseidon, and we were working with the the uh, the South Ender Magazine at the time, and they sort of. um Contacted Sarah about opening, and we put a, put a band together for it, and the free guys to open for this Tom Petty band.
0: I never realized how involved you were.
1: Yeah, was well, you know I remember doing promo with you guys and video and stuff like that. Yeah, it was all it was all sort of tied together. They gave us the booth and everything. He gave us the VIP treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you guys practiced for it and everything. You did a couple of rehearsals at the space, and uh, yeah. largely a Fleetwood Mac, um, well heavy set.
0: And I have to go re- on record and say, at this time musically. I wasn't really that comfortable with myself. It it took, you know, if I was learning a new song or a, or a new part, I had to work and, and like, feel comfy doing it, you yeah, know? Yeah. I'm much more of a more improved, like, improv on the fly guy now, but that's just from reps. And at this gig, we had a pretty set set list, and we're running through our sound check <laughs> that morning at Poseidon, and we're just, like, running through our shit, running through shit. And at the end uh. The woman from the Running Down a Dream Tom Petty Tribute this became, Ultimate. A,
1: this, I got there before the show, and this was right with all Yeah, this yeah, behind. yeah.
0: She comes up to us. This is the female lead in the Tom Petty Tribute Band. She comes up to us and says, Hey, don't play any Fleetwood Mac tonight. Yeah. We're going to do an encore of the Fleetwood Mac song. Don't know if you know this. We also have a Fleetwood Mac tribute band that I lead. It's like, look, bitch, like, Play fucking I Won't Back Down and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, there's the thing.
1: <laughs> you know? For those of you, for those of you uh, that, are, that are paying attention that are classic rock fans, you may say to yourself, hmm, there's no Chicks in the Heartbreakers. No. And when I say that, that's an exact quote from Tom Petty himself. When he was <laughs> asked why wasn't Stevie Nicks in the band because she wanted to be, he said there's no Chicks in the Heartbreakers. So the problem here is that we have this band running down a dream the Ultimate Tom Petty Experience, which is also known as Rumors, the Ultimate Fleetwood Mac Experience. Who are, no kidding, probably the most famous Bro Fleetwood Mac <laughs> tribute band in the country. They tore the globe, <laughs> dude. They, they were just play fucking festivals in Amsterdam to thirty thousand people. Yeah,
0: don't encore with Fleetwood Mac because yeah. we're gonna plug our other band. Yeah, yeah. So dude, this woman was hellbent. She I mean, she was truly a batshit crazy, fucking. I don't even know what to call. It. Anyways. The story gets good. Sarah Sarah Burns, i got to give her some fucking props. Because yeah. she put her foot in the ground and said, I'm not going to let somebody tell me what I can and can't play. Especially, like, there's, there's this thing with musicians. Like, look, it's covers. We didn't write the fucking songs. <laughs> now, you make a song your own, and then somebody covers it exactly how you cover it. That's a bit of a different story. Yeah. But, like, you know, I have friends that play songs that I won't really touch or step on. Because they just do them so fucking well You know what I mean And uh, let's be real here Like Go Your Own Way or Dreams is one of those songs you, can, you can't do that much to it To change it up And Sarah you know Stood her ground and was like what the fuck like, I'm not going to let these people tell us what yeah, to do
1: She came to me before the show and she's like well, what do you think I should do I'm like well as far as I know Tom Petty po- and Heartbreakers Don't sing Go Your Own Way <laughs> So you should play Go Your Own Way them, you know." So we- Little did we know though Oh, my God.
0: So we play this... We we play this... Uh,
1: As I recall, I think you played The Chain, Go Your Own Way, and, and Dreams... I think Go Your Own Way was the big deal-breaker, right? <sighs> like, don't play... It was one of those songs, like, don't yeah, play Go, Go Your don't Own play
0: Way. Good. So we play Go Your Own Way, and at the end, she they're sitting there, like, arms crossed, like... Rushing us off the stage Like rushing me To the get my two pedal two members off. of
1: the band Came out during the song And, and oddly
0: enough They're fucking using, married Yeah two adult married
1: men Screaming at the two Teenage women At the front of the stage And this isn't to Diminish your guys' talent Or anything Because you're very talented This is years ago At the time You were very young Stevens You were no, still in yeah. your teens
0: I was, didn't know what I was doing Yeah
1: you were still in your teens Sarah and Taylor Very young as well And these are grown men That tour the world in a cover band, yelling at these two women and yeah. using, you know what? They use the one word you're really not supposed to use. The C when, word? Yes. They yeah, she goes there
0: on the C word. So
1: the girls upset after the show. I mean, everyone upset.
0: Crying. Uh, oh, can I tell well, a real quick tidbit? Yeah, sure. I'm walking off the stage and the guitar player goes to me. <laughs> he goes, it's a D7 chord at the end of Take It Easy. I said, uh, alright brother <laughs> he, shit on, a, he just yeah. shit on me about not knowing how to play a song I'm like a kid I'm just like look man I'm just happy to be here you know so
1: things get pretty heated after yeah. the opening set before uh, and before well, running down a dream comes on stage God. and there were some a uh, lot of harsh words exchanged uh, I got into a very heated how pathetic the, though You know, outside with the or guitar something. player uh, I did threaten to throw him off the roof at Poseidon <laughs> We were separated by security and an anonymous member, (laughs) an anonymous female member of the extended Good Pals podcast band slash entourage gave one piece to Stevie Nicks, gave her a knuckle sandwich. What? Yeah. No. Ma- yeah, Mama Burns. <laughs> oh shit! Hit her? That's, you, that's a- Yeah, she. But you know what? Protecting her kid. You know what I mean? And they were being really harsh on those girls, yeah. and uh, she got physical, and there was some shoving, and she got a little knuckle sandwich. And
0: here is the worst part of this whole story: when you meet pieces of shit, and you have a terrible interaction, and it is you know all that happens. Just it sucks when they're so damn good at their job because they got up there and played. Tom Petty, better than I've ever heard it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are very good, and obviously that's why the Rumors band is so successful, massively so. But it was um, a very early situation. A lot of people in the town got involved with it, played over to social media, which is one of the most probably, like, aggressive, like, awful social media arguments I've ever had with people. Um, terrible things said. I was th- given threats for a whole weekend. Those kids will never play in Atlanta. They're going to ruin them, this and that. And, um it was just like uh, due to some several extenuating circumstances, it got smoothed out. Yeah.
0: So we just wanted to plug them and say if they're ever back in town, go see them. They're great people. And
1: yeah, and I ended up okay with uh, I ended up okay with that band actually. But it was a hell of a night, man. I remember just <laughs> energy really running high, and you kids did a good job with the set. You played the solo <laughs> on the chain. You got it. It's like a one note solo. Oh, see, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know these things, <laughs> but I think several <laughs> listeners were maybe even in attendance for the Beside War. Yeah. What a hoot that was!
0: Yeah, I'm glad we got to go down that road because I haven't even thought about that in a while.
1: Intense weekend, yeah. This thing gets brought but up to me pretty often, so um,
0: it's it's awkward to fight with other musicians because it's like, hey, we're doing the same fucking thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, why are why are we fighting? We should be fighting like someone else.
1: I mean, it came down to like you know that me and that guy, the guitar player, having all these phone calls. I was like, look, dude. I mean, these kids are talented and they're already writing their own original songs and I don't know if you're beat up about the fact that you're in a cover band and I'm sorry that your wife is Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac and you feel like she has to be <laughs> able to sing songs with Tom top eight, and in the Heartbreakers but there's no girls in the Heartbreakers. So I'm sorry.
0: It was intense. Yeah. Anyways, Daisy Jones and the Six.
1: Jesus. <laughs> Daisy Jones and the Six is not a good television show. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and man did I want it to be because it looks... It looks great. Uh, it's very much modeled after Fleetwood Mac, um, about a, a you know a cl- an up, an up, up rising classic rock band that crosses paths with a very um, a very volatile, very talented, very beautiful um, singer named Daisy Jones, played here by Riley Keough. Riley Keough is an indie darling. She's in a bunch of A twenty four flicks. Uh, another thing we're going to talk about later. Uh, she is Elvis Presley's granddaughter, the daughter of Lisa Marie Presley, and she is. A very talented actress And as it turns
0: out A very good singer too Oh she's doing a lot of The live singing herself Yeah they,
1: they, they put these guys Through band camp To learn some stuff Oh that's cool And her opposite lead Is a fellow named Sam Claflin yeah. Who I only knew from He played Finn In the Hunger Games movies Finn? Yeah he's like the blonde guy Looked like Aquaman Like really tall dude Ripped up I think his name was Finn um, Punch up Sam For the Hunger Games He was one of the uh, He was in a couple of the movies Yeah Finnick Finnick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I've seen him in Me Before You. He plays the uh, handicapped uh, hunk.
1: So I'm not sure what me, what's Me Before You.
0: Uh, it's just a movie with Amelia Clark. We're like, just a rom thing.
1: So we, with Daisy Jones and Six, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's sort of coming out of like a Fleetwood Mac dynamic. And the only oh. difference is that uh, these two are based on Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. They don't come as a package like they did to Fleetwood Mac in real life. They sort of were forced together by uh, a producer and the and the. But the chemistry's there. They start to write songs together. Um, and these, uh, they, they wrote, they performed songs that were written by pop artists. Uh, I don't recall which ones exactly, but they brought in some popular songwriters to write classic rock 70s style songs for these bands. And to me, they really fall flat. And it's hard to do. It's hard to mimic, I think, a certain era of music <laughs> when so much great stuff has been done. Uh, the, the yardstick for this show, to me, is almost famous, Cameron Crowe's film about... His life touring with several classic rock bands in the 70s. And um, what are you looking at there? The Blue Jean Committee.
0: Do you remember this? What's that? Fred Arminson, Bill Hader. (laughs) The documentary now where they like kind of basically as this show is mimicking Fleetwood Mac and whatnot. Fred Arminson and Bill Hader have a show called Documentary Now where they did a uh, kind of an Eagles spinoff. Okay. You've never seen this?
1: No, I'll have to watch it. Oh I'm I'm sure my god! I'm sure it's great. I've never seen any documentary now. Oh well, been, yeah. Um, they
0: they basically make fun of that. Um, remember that huge Eagles doc that came out? Yeah, History on Netflix? Of the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. It was like and it was um, like six hours or something. <laughs> they make fun of this so. Bad. They like Fred Armisen's basically like from Chicago. He was like, I was working in a meatpacking plant. Wanted to write songs. Like he's just a. It's just great. We'll have to watch this and bring it back up another time. But documentary now.
1: Yeah, we do. I guess we'll have to bring it back up another time. I don't even remember what else the fuck I was talking about,
0: Stevens. You were talking about the show, but you said it's shit.
1: No, so. I was talking about Almost Famous.
0: Oh, sorry. Here's the
1: point I'm getting at. Uh, <laughs> Peter Frampton and Nancy Wilson from Heart wrote some songs together for Almost Famous for the band Stillwater that were pretty good rock songs. Like, I thought they were good, and it, ser- it served the movie well. When Stillwater performed, I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. sounds like. But when Daisy Jones and The Six performing, and it's got to be a big part of the show, it really just it falls flat. It does not sound like Fleetwood Mac, you know. If you're gonna, that's a hard band to compete with.
0: And the reason I brought up the Blue Jean Committee wasn't to throw you a curveball. No, no, it's because they they was, wrote was, songs for that show. Yeah. They have like a seven song EP that's on Spotify. And Ben Huey and I used to play these songs at our gigs and laugh about them because they were actually kind They're, of funny. Yeah, well, Fred yeah. is
1: good like that with uh, music. He's been he's, he's very musically inclined. He's such a goober. Very musically inclined dude. But um, so but uh, again, here I am, probably in the minority because I hear people saying that they dig this show, Daisy Jones and the Six, and these songs are like ranked super high on Amazon, like they, they're singles.
0: And they got this lead guy looking just like seventies Jackson Brown.
1: Yeah, but he look he seems kind of old for someone. I think he's supposed to be like you know in the earlier mid twenties. And I don't usually get hung up on shit like that, but it takes you out of it. And uh, I mean, this—is
0: uh, that like a part of the story that he's like kind of missed his?
1: No, no, like he's this is this band like. Sort of, sort of hits and starts coming up on the rise, and he's maybe slightly older than the other guys in the band. He's like a big brother of the guitar player,
0: but he looks older than everyone else. Yeah,
1: huh? he really does. And um, and it's and it's, it's I guess it's a no fault of his own, but it takes me out of it. And I've heard some other critics say as much, the same thing. But I mean, I'm, I'm prepared to. I, w- I will say that this Riley Keough band is um, incandescent.
0: Nice um,
1: official uh, girlfriend of the Good Pals Podcast. Jesus Riley Christ. Keough. Welcome to the club. We're gonna have to cap you. So, yes. so, like I can't like outright I can't like outright diss the show because uh, I mean I've watched six episodes of it, so it's got me like hanging on. But there's just some big things that take me out of it. So mixed bag on Daisy Jones and Six. I'm sure a lot of you guys are watching it. Share your thoughts with us. Let me let us know what you think. Um, but for me, it's a for me it's fifty fifty. But something I want everyone to watch on Amazon is something I just watched today. It's probably about the third or fourth time I watch it. Is a documentary from two thousand eight called The Wrecking Crew. Stevens, have you seen this movie?
0: I have. I have. It's wonderful.
1: Who are the Wrecking Crew?
0: Uh, They're the backing band for, um, I mean, maybe... A
1: a loosely knit, yeah, probably about 20 or so musicians that um, are studio musicians. Yeah. Hired guns. Exactly. But these guys were
0: the... I mean, just a quick, super fast rattle list off of the people that the Wrecking Crew played for. The Beach Boys, Nat Cole, Elvis, Dean Martin, Moms and the Papas, Frank Sinatra, Birds. On and on and on and on.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about some iconic uh classic rock or soul hits. Um Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. The Wrecking Crew. Um
0: Yeah. I mean Go
1: back to the go back to that list again. Some of these like some of these um some of these huge songs. I was just
0: pulling up their discography. Discog thats say that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But the like of the bands you were just mentioning. So much great work with the Beach Boys. Uh great work with Elvis, uh, the Phil Spector produced albums, the Ronettes songs like Be My Baby, Here Then He
0: Kissed Me. Here's uh, here's um, stuff that hit charts. Yeah, I mean, just look at look at all these number ones from this band. Yeah, go
1: ahead and throw some, throw some, throw some winners out there. These are songs, level, record- level,
0: keep us together, <laughs> Captain Sineal, Rhinestone Cowboy, Glenn Campbell was a number one hit. That towards the end, yeah, half, yeah. I mean, if we go to the 60s, yeah, get to the Mrs. Robinson was a number one hit, chart topper. I mean, uh, just so many things. Like,
1: keep going. Pick some good ones out. Hey, there's your jam, Wichita Lineman. Oh, I love Wichita. Lineman. Right. Uh, but yeah, good. Uh, so good vibrations was classical
0: like cool gas. Uh, I, I had a teacher that would always talk about that. California dreaming. Oh my god.
1: Uh, like I mean, these are like, you can, there, there's several. I mean, there's a bunch of hits, but they're like <laughs> iconic pantheon songs.
0: <laughs> Bridge over troubled water. Sure, and it's like who played
1: on them? The Wrecking Crew. And they were known for doing it fast. Like they came in. They said for some artists they cut um, they cut an album in a day. In the day of modern recording, the age of modern recording, this doesn't happen, does it, Stevens?
0: No, I just I just ha- I'm laughing because I looked at like a bridge. over. I heard someone say stupid ass quote today. You know the you know the saying. Oh, it's water under the bridge. Yeah. Somebody said, oh, it's just water under the fridge.
1: Who said that? <laughs> Did they, I, were
0: they saying it as a joke? I think it's from like a show, but I know they said it seriously. <laughs> That's just water under the fridge. We'll cross
1: yeah. that fridge when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> um, so uh, but I know a lot of people have acts. There's, so these guys are just, they're very funny. And they're really like business-like. And they were just known to come in and like... Get it done. And they were like, all the other studio musicians in the early 60s were real uptight types, and they had their suits on, and, and they're how about very professional. But these Wrecking Crew guys just come in with their jeans, having a sing. They all wore their sunglasses in the studio. Um,
0: and how about some love for uh, Carol Kay?
1: Carol Kay was their bassist, and she is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, you may know the of, of the other artists in the Wrecking Crew, you'll probably know uh, Glenn Campbell was a member of the Wrecking Crew. Oh, yeah. Hal Blaine, the great drummer. Oh, God. Uh, was the uh, one of the one of the drummers in the Wrecking Crew, and um, Tommy Tedesco was like the main guitarist guy, and Cher was talking about working with him. Cher, I mean the great Cher, and she said she loved it when she was uh, she was singing backup for the Ronettes on the Phil Spector albums, and she said when she get there, first she played with them one time it was cool, and then every time she said she went to the studio, oh, Leon Russell, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the members Of the Wrecking Crew She'd be like Oh it's this, these guys again It's these guys again But she said it was the best Because they just come in And talk about their new cars yeah. And cut up about They just played golf And busting on each other's scores And there was passing Mad magazines around And shit And just like really Good like fun Casual environment Cutting up with each other Well and you
0: made a good point too That like There is no Pet sounds Without these people Without the Wrecking Crew There's no a
1: lot of things Like I, I do not even Like uh, Leon Russell Later down the line I really liked his work With Joe Cocker Wow oh, um, yeah that was unbelievable. So all but these
0: song for you is one of the greatest songs ever written. I love the Donny Hathaway cover, but
1: uh, uh, so many of these members of the Wrecking Crew, um, they yeah. sort of remain in that shadow, and they're good with it, and were I mean, extremely well compensated. These guys were successful, <laughs> but when someone like, um, you could say troubled background or not, you know, someone like Phil Spector, who's a fucking genius, or someone like Brian Wilson, who's a fucking genius, actively sought out these musicians to do all of their work, um. They were essentially the monkeys, who were sort of the first like um, the be- they call the Beatles the Fab Four. They call the monkeys the prefab Four, like the prefabricated Four.
0: Oh, really? I always thought the monkeys were like the Americans trying to make a band to like emulate the Beatles. Yeah,
1: sort of. But the monkeys didn't like they had very limited. I mean, Michael Nesmith, one of the monkeys, is always like, "Oh, we we could play our own instruments." The Wrecking Crew were the fucking monkeys, and Davy Jones and those guys sang the songs. Oh, yeah. So, those last train to Clarkville um, songs like that, Daydream Believer, you you like some monkeys tunes, I'm sure.
0: I like that. And then I saw her face.
1: Oh, that's Shrek. Big Shrek fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's I'm a believer in that. Yeah, I'm a believer. Okay. Last train to Clarksville, really good. So, I mean, I, I like geek out on this, so I don't want to take up too much time because I could sit and read off a list and talk about personal experience I've had with all these songs <laughs> and uh, how much I love it. Ugh. And I learned from this movie how influential and evolved this band was. in so many of them. It's The Wrecking Crew. It's from 2008. It's on Amazon now. W- fucking watch it today. Watch yeah, as, it tonight. as far so as, as s- talk about it the next time I see you.
0: Yeah, as far well, I've seen it before.
1: I mean, I'm saying to the to the people. oh oh, oh the, yeah. okay.
0: Um, as far as music docs go, I mean, just that's top. You know, you got you got to get on that one. So good.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if you this is, the, this is the kind of stuff I like talking about, and I like talking about pop culture stuff like the Wrecking Crew, you know.
0: And I, I said to uh, Maddie, I was because I'm a, I'm a huge Brian Wilson Beach Boys, yeah. you know, just that era f- Pet Sounds fan. And I remember I, I just said to Matt before this episode started, I go, "Oh, Paul Dano, he was played uh, Brian Wilson wonderfully in Love and Mercy. Have you seen that?" And he goes, uh, "I think I told you to watch that kid." <laughs> I said, "When you were a kid, yeah, I like, like, told you to you watch know, him. But um. Well, you had,
1: we were going through a, this as a native when you're a native, you were a native. You were in a big Brian Wilson slash Beach Boys phase
0: Dude, I still go. I mean, yeah, so
1: am I. I mean, I love him, but you were like, you have Brian Wilson So-and-so I'm like, yeah, there's. A, I just watched a really good movie. I was obsessed with Paul Dano, and uh, who else played him? Cusack.
0: Yeah, he plays like the older crazy version. Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy. Love and yeah, Mercy. It's really, it's really good. And and what what I was about to say is um, it gives this really nice like, uh what do you call it, you know, it's not a documentary, so you're not watching the real th- It's almost like you get to live inside of what young Brian Wilson was like during the days of the Wrecking Crew. I mean, these guys were in a, packed in a room all day long, sweating, writing, grinding yeah. these songs, yeah. and it's cool to watch. I mean, I would be, t- be hard-pressed to say that making Pet Sounds and making these albums and being in Brian Wilson's head isn't, it easily could have been what drove him to being crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know? And
1: Carol Kay said the same thing about working with Spectre because he was such a perfectionist. Oh, but she said the wall of sound was like that studio had ceramic walls and he put all of them right on top of each other and even like lo- aligned their mics in such a fashion that their, their stuff would sort of bleed into one another's mics and that's what gave the wall of sound that murky echoey thing that you hear in like uh, you've lost that love and feeling or be my baby or that sound that's associated
0: with. Dude. There's so much to it. He, that, Phil Spector's Wall of Sound, and he's a crazy motherfucker yeah. that did not age well. No, no, but, no, for sure. you know, his contribution to music and production is insurmountable. I mean...
1: Yeah, and it, this is one of those things when I was like, I was watching this movie for, out of the third or fourth time today, like I said, and I was like, I really want to talk about this in the pop. but I don't want to be like, get off my lawn, you know, this music's better, and new music isn't good. But it's such a foundational... Um, it's such a foundational truth of rock and roll music, I know. and soul music, and everything else that I feel like it's a piece of history that has to be learned by people. Or you know, it just you'll be better, you'll be better for it, you know. And cool. you'll you'll discover some new music for and, sure, and you'll, and you'll hear some really great stories from these people. And,
0: and Phil Spector doing all this, it was almost like the it was almost like they hit the signal and. Made themselves the beacon for everyone to come to California and record music. Yeah. There is no Laurel Canyon. Oh my God. There is no, go, you know? He
1: said they would go from like, uh, you know, to, for the, from the Capitol building to, to the Wall of Sound and this and that, and then go play a gig at night. Like every day was just like, just running around, all running around together, their instruments. Yeah, now, now you down. can go
0: to LA and get murdered. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Manson <laughs> family, how and about, you know?
0: Well, not, I meant now.
1: Never a dull moment. Oh, now? Yeah, yeah sure, now. now, probably too.
0: No, I just meant like LA's lost its. It's a lure. If we got to go to
1: LA together sometime. I want to go to LA with you. I think you'll have a good time out there.
0: Then again, when I went to LA, I. Actually, no, I went to fucking cool spots. I went to like Whiskey a Go Go and Venice yeah. Beach and cool spots. I just. I mean, that town is fucking
1: wild. Yeah, well, I so, can't wait. I've only so been many out there people. once, man, but I really want to go out again. We're, yeah. we're going to go out there, Stevens.
0: But, but anywho, um I got to say. You have any there-
1: recommendations for the people, or are we going to jump into our scheduled topics for today.
0: Well, any... Oh, oh, show recs?
1: Yeah, anything that you've been, like, you know, anything you've been digging on, or, you know, our standard interest stuff.
0: Um, no. Yeah? <laughs> I just... I've just honestly just been keeping up. Oh, well, I mean, for our fans that listen to us weekly, and, you know, like our Last of Us takes, we we rounded that off. Yes. And, um, I'm just trying to keep up with what's new, what's fresh. I've been... To be honest, y'all, I've been watching a lot of old shit. Yeah, I've been well, watching you know, Breaking Bad. I've been
1: that's true. You're in a, you're immersed in a Breaking Bad rewatch. <sighs> so can't get out that's of it. I mean that was gonna take up a lot of your time. But I know one show that you did have time to watch a new show is The Last of Us. Yeah. Which became a weekly thing for us on the pod, you know, because we got so engrossed in it. Yeah. And since we last recorded season one of The Last of Us has ended, we got two episodes to talk about from the show, and I want to talk about them, and uh, I want to get into some spoilers on them. So, Zach, it's up to you how you want to do this. Do you want to um, cut it in a fashion that we do non-spoilers and then do like 10 minutes of spoilers and tell people to skip ahead?
0: Uh, I mean, I think we should honestly just keep it spoiler-free.
1: All right, we'll be spoiler-free. But, I mean, if you love The Last of Us and you haven't already watched it to the end, I mean, get your shit together.
0: (laughs) I mean, I just, you know.
1: Here comes a spoiler-free recap of The Last of Us, the last two episodes. There's no zombies and people are mean to each other <laughs> Okay. Synopsis over
0: Well here's my thing Matt <laughs> People you know life happens Happens for people like it does for us and yeah. You know we miss two weeks of a podcast Maybe you know So and so can't watch The Last of Us Because they have shit going on Okay. There. And I don't want to ruin it for them
1: I mean I also got to skip the forward button When they listen to the podcast too
0: But Joel goes on a rampage. Let's
1: let's (laughs) let's go. Let's go into. Let's start with no. Let's start with episode eight because I love the episode. It was very intense, and it's one of the first ones I saw get critical pushback. Remember how we didn't like seven, but it seemed like the critics loved it. The flashback episode with Ellie and her best friend.
0: I loved episode eight.
1: I'm talking about episode seven. We didn't like.
0: No, yeah, but you just said episode eight got critical backlash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, it saw,
1: I saw. Yeah, I saw. It get a little bit of flack for being too sped up, or um, yeah, but that elements of it. It That's what. Very, ha- that's what a- happens
0: when all these gaming fans come out of the woodworks, and they're like, "This isn't following the game."
1: I'm talking about like television critics. I'm not talking about gamers. But I don't see what the complaint was because I watched this episode and I was on the edge of my seat, hmm. like the suspense of this episode. Let's talk about what happens here. It's you know, yeah, Joel's yeah. Joel is healing from his uh, stabbing injury. And Ellie's on her own looking out for the looking out for the, the duo and um gets into a really, really bad situation. A real bad situation. What happens with Ellie?
0: Well, Ellie, like uh, Matt just mentioned, is kind of caretaking for Joel and nursing his injury, but you know, you've got to eat. Yeah. And they're they're rationing. So she goes out to uh she goes out to hunt for a deer, kills her a deer. And runs into two other survivors that are a part of a group. And we were
1: introduced to it in the beginning of the episode, if I'm correct, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: In a massively uncomfortable scene. Oh God! I, I believe David is the name of our leader of this uh, this posse.
0: Yes. And that actor was fucking
1: incredible. Yeah, uh, interesting. And I don't know a whole lot about him, um, but this leader David is, um, you know, sort of preaching to his people and talking about times are lean and. We're running low on supplies, and um, I think that, I I, I don't know, like, I think that you probably, did did you know in the beginning, just from that intro, that we're probably dealing with cannibalism here?
0: I mean, from playing the game, I knew, but... But I I mean, me watching, Uh, I was like,
1: okay, these people are cannibals. The way they're, like, looking at each other, when the girl's like, can we bury my father, and they're all looking at each other like, I kind of want to eat him. Um, There's a lot of nonverbal communication that you know. I, I thought sort of displayed that.
0: That yeah yeah. And if you rewatch, especially like when they're eating, a couple of them are like reluctant yeah, with their meals and stuff. Yeah, it's, really. it's odd. Not, not actually, not I didn't th- even pick up on that body thing, the bearing. So yeah, yeah. That's wow, why okay. the girls <laughs> like I want the
1: the the, the this girl um, and I guess I'll, I'll call, I don't want to call it a cult, but kind of a cult. Yeah. Her okay. father is the one that that Joel killed. In the conflict, there's one who stabbed Joel, and Joel in turn killed. Yeah, but she's really uh, seems to be sort of um, distraught. But distraught, really pushing for her father to be buried, like when can we bury my father, because. She knows that they're going to eat him
0: And in like a Jim Jones-esque yeah. fashion yeah. This, you know, quote-unquote cult leader David Kind of gives this, you know, God will prevail Kind of like manifesto <laughs> This little girl's like, I want to bury my dad And he backhands
1: her Yeah, she gets a, she does get
0: And smacked. no one retaliates
1: There's a palpable sense of fear From the members of this group Let's and just
0: say these people They'll drink the Kool-Aid, they'll eat a person
1: Yeah, and they should probably play ball Because this guy, David, is a bear character. But portrayed th- by an actor named Scott Shepherd who is fantastic. And I guess has uh, I think he's more of a stage guy. But I heard <sighs> him I heard him get some shout outs some
0: um, man he was incredible and like any good cult leader, he kinda had me sold.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I was like, damn this guy's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that comes into play down the line. Um I do I did hear one thing I thought that was interesting about Scott Shepherd is he did a he did a very successful stage run. Of a play where he read The Great Gatsby in its entirety. That was the play.
0: Oh, he just read it out loud, but it was
1: very successful. Yeah. Oh, fantasy talks about it on the big picture. Oh, but, lovely. Uh, that my guy, you know. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's, he's cool, a- and he's got a he's got a good villain face.
1: And his a his a one his right hand guy in <gasps> the cult is played by Troy Baker, I who was, is. I was
0: gonna I was gonna name drop this. He voiced Joel, yeah. in the game.
1: Yeah, so Joel in the Which game, is- and a really good part here. Uh, as this uh, as this guy's right hand man and but Ellie encounters these guys and I mean not to eat up too much time she she eventually um, he David wants Ellie in this group with him
0: as a co-leader or or worse he sees leadership I think he wanted to uh,
1: yeah he wants a child uh, bride he wants a child bride I uh, mean this guy really it bec- becomes clear that he's he's a he's a pedophile and he is uh, he's a cannibal. And he basically expresses as much to Ellie about like how he rose to power or whatever. Like he waited for he waited for civilization to fail and was able to do the things And maybe no one else did. He
0: ran his warships cordyceps. Dude, can you believe that this guy eats people, wants to diddle kids? That's not even the worst thing about him. His favorite band is Steve Miller band.
1: Yeah. Also true. <laughs> I saw the shirt. I thought he had a Pegasus shirt on. Just this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. And, and the cannibalism is, it's like, it's handled directly and it's creepy, but it's not super graphic, you know. But, but you, uh, what when you're, whenever you're no, dealing with, I think whenever you're dealing with cannibalism, uh, all you have to do is put, once the subject's on the table, <laughs> for lack of a better term, yeah. any meat that gets shown, you're like, oh, That's man. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't eat that. I mean, you could put a piece of a steak up and be like, oh, I wouldn't eat that shit. I wouldn't eat that shit. And,
0: and let's be honest, like, the scariest part of these kind of sequences is. It's not showing it to you straight up. It's yeah. it's it's leading you there. That's yeah, when you're sure. like, ooh, you know, for
1: sure. And then uh, you know that everything looks different, though. It looks more mysterious when they're when they're serving. And then when they're serving dinner to everybody, David gets like the big plate of like all this meat. Like he's, you know, in true like cult leader asshole cult leader fashion. You know, he's he's getting all the he's getting all the prime cuts, and everyone else is eating scraps of their friends and family. Um, yeah. But it's 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 really tough because. Of course, he gets his hands on Ellie, and she's abducted. And, um, some bad stuff happens. Yeah, that change is going to change Ellie forever. And I think that that's really she I
0: cr- had to, to murk someone. My first went through my first
1: tear sh- my first tear shed this season was at the end of this episode. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, I cried too at the end of this episode. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it just came. It came pretty easily. I was just like,
0: woo. All right, we've swallowed a lot, but. Joel has been fighting the fact that he loves Ellie like a daughter through this entire journey, and we finally get the embrace we've been begging for.
1: That's a spoiler, Stevens. I know. (laughs) It's hard not to talk about, right?
0: It is, but...
1: He calls her baby girl, which is what he used to call his daughter Sarah, and he grabs her, and she needs it because she's just lost. She's been through such a harrowing experience. That you know, um, but that's that was very cathartic for us as the viewers to get, and it made me cry. That was the first time I cried this season. It was so big. It
0: was so big. Yeah, ah.
1: it was huge. And then that's the, and you know, what's interesting. That's the penultimate episode, the second last episode of the series, or the season often tends to be the good ones. You know, those are like, and then, and then finales can be come downs, and uh, the finale. will especially go light on the finale with spoilers because that one did just come out a few days ago. Yeah, Uh, pretty short episode. It's like forty minutes.
0: That bummed me out. Uh,
1: Yeah, I was like, I was kind of hoping it would be like the opposite. Like they go like ninety minutes, you know, because this is the end of it, and here we are to finish. We love this show, dude. Here we are to finish line.
0: Yeah, and I talked to my brother earlier today, who's an avid, you know, gamer and fan of the show. Yeah, and he was let down by this.
1: Uh, I think a lot of people were. Yeah,
0: I mean, the the finale. That is, I
1: know there's a lot more coming. Uh, I mean, for me, I'll, I'll talk about a game spoiler because this didn't happen on the show. But I mean, I thought I was under the incorrect impression that Joel died at the end of the game. The last of us
0: No, Yeah, that's which yeah.
1: which doesn't happen. So I was bracing myself for a Joel death, mm-hmm. but I also know they've been making some changes. But um, what's the what's the crux of uh, they reach their destination, basically. I mean, which sort of fits in with the yeah, but, season finale. They reach their they reach their destination.
0: Yeah. But can I give a really quick uh, backstory? Yeah, yeah sure. Not to give too much away, but right in the beginning, we get a little bit of an Ellie backstory, and we get to we get to meet her mom. Oh shit! Through a flashback, yeah. And I'm not going to say what happens, but the actress who plays Ellie's mom in the beginning of that—that that is the voice actress for Ellie in the game.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. They, I like that they've tied this together. And I
0: it's, think it's just cool that they're giving both voice- good
1: performances too. Troy Baker was really good in his episode, and she was really great in the beginning of this episode oh,
0: also. And that whole game was um.
1: She looks kind of like Ellie, dude. Like her, I saw like, I could see like facial similarities between her and Bella Ramsey. I thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah, it was cool. But what's it and called? And the demeanor
1: uh, even, like, I don't know, because they, they just... Uh,
0: what, do you call, what do you call the thing that um, Andy Circus does? All this, a motion capture? Yeah. This game was all acted. It was all motion captured. Yeah. This wasn't, yeah. you know, it was made in a studio, but these are actors doing real things. It's cool to see these voice actors get some recognition, get to be a part of it. Some, you know, something as big as HBO. Yeah, for sure. Because... Um, They've they lived and breathed this show there for years. This game's been out forever. Feels like,
1: I think, uh, yeah, yeah. What, is what did we say? did we it 2014? Was it? Oh,
0: God, I'll fact check real quick. But uh,
1: I think that the main. I think. I think it's it's a short episode, and um, it's not. Uh,
0: 2013. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just um, in the beginning of the finale. Like, it's kind of it's a bummer, man. Ellie is not in a good place anymore and a lot of the levity and the humor that comes from this show is from Ellie being funny you know or being fiery or and she's just a little bit she's with she's completely trapped within herself is what i would say yeah and very quiet so that dynamic you know that that makes us laugh and stuff is not there and uh, it's understandable considering what ellie had gone through but um it it, it doesn't It doesn't really change much, you know, because there's one there's a scene they lifted from the game that I guess people were very happy about with a giraffe where they encounter a giraffe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just saw a little uh, thing today on Instagram that that was a real giraffe and like a real fucking studio. (laughs) Yeah, all of it was, you know, I was looking at giraffe fake or is it real? Real is that? Yeah. Yeah. But. That's The Last of Us, and we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed the ride, and I'll eat up all it of ends season on a two. Very, it ends
1: on a very interesting and very conflicting note that I think the, uh, that's going to lend itself well to, I mean, we know what we're getting into for for um, for next for the next season, which I'm sure HBO is in a very big hurry to release. But, um, you know, these time goes fast. We can say, you're like, oh, we missed The Last of Us. Next thing you know, Zach, we'll be sitting talking about The Last of Us 2 season premiere. Right here on the Good Pals podcast.
0: But um as we mentioned earlier, and we apologize for our, our hiatus, it kind of worked out because we're back just a couple days right after what, Maddie?
1: The Oscars, the Academy Awards. Yes, sir. How do you feel about sitting next to a master Oscar prognosticator um, who came on episode eight of the Good Pals podcast and said, Guys, I've got my finger on the pulse, I've got friends in Hollywood, everything <laughs> everywhere all at once is about to sweep the Academy Awards like a motherfucker and it did. And domination across the nation by A24 is everything everywhere all at once. Not surprising. I think people that are all in the in the entertainment business and entertainment reporting business and, and podcasters like ourselves pretty much saw this thing coming. It was a groundswell movement. This movie was embraced and, um, and it showed in the victories. run through the winners here. we got uh, Kie Kwan. For best supporting actor, uh, which I really liked his his performance is my favorite thing about everything everywhere all at once.
0: And I see I've kind of I'm keeping my mouth shut over here because I struggled to find everything everywhere all at once throughout the year to watch. I've had many people tell me to watch it. It was impossible to get online. And did then this movie come out like last fucking March? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it came out right a- at
1: the beginning of eligibility season. I mean, I, dude, I saw it a couple miles up the street at Cinemark in Bluffton, man.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, my bad.
1: It was out, it was briefly a part pause, but it, look, it's an art film. Art films don't get long runs in Hilton Head.
0: Yeah, and it's Blulton. like it sucks that this movie sweat because I can't talk about <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. I can't talk about ki Kwan, I can't talk about the Daniels. Like
1: yeah, uh, missed, well you know? we enough we talked about it on the uh, when we were doing the Oscar, when we were doing the nominations episode, and um, I understand why it was very popular and it was a good interesting film and. And well, I like it. Uh, and I think that some people were deserving of awards here. And I'm that's saying a lot because my favorite movie there was Banshees of Innesharan. And I really loved <sighs> Barry Keough. And man, he was so great in that movie. But I understand Key winning Best Supporting Actor. Well, it was a great performance. Banshe- and the story is there too, man. Like,
0: And Banshees was my favorite too, but... I'm not going to knock this movie till I watch it because yeah, I, I heard yeah. it was extremely innovative and yeah yeah. You know, well, your
1: brother Ben, you know, was a huge fan. I know
0: Ben. Ben loved it. Yeah. There was another movie Ben said that was in our top ten. Oh, Ben Huey and I talked and texted. He was he was upset that Tar didn't get anything.
1: Tar and Banshees are shut out. with zero Which... Oscars. Everything pretty much got gobbled up by everything everywhere well, and all quiet on the Western Front.
0: Well, let's let's talk about the one thing that everyone enjoys about Oscars and awards is controversy. Yeah. Um, Did Jamie Lee Curtis deserve that Best Supporting Actress? Yes and no. Because as an avid Twitter user, yeah. she was shit on.
1: Yeah, she did get shit on.
0: People said it felt like a Lifetime Achievement Award.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, th- and I think that's fair. But, I mean, uh, j- so, yeah. So it's a yes and no. That category wasn't exactly stacked, you know? Well... If I were to pick it... I, I, Angela Bassett uh, Angela Bassett was very good In Wakanda Forever People were fighting for her man But yeah But it was also Sort of a little bit One note of like Oh my son No oh, my nation, in Wakanda You know like I've seen
0: Angela Bassett Jesus Do better Christ I've seen her <laughs>
1: do better I've seen her do better shit You know like Tina Turner And well, stuff like that Well
0: apparently People so were ap- what's Here, it, Here's was, what pisses me wait, off Wait hold up. on a
1: second Back the fuck up <laughs> Just stop for a second What did I do You didn't <laughs> like my Angela Bassett impersonation That I just did is this another example of you criticizing my impersonations <laughs> no, on the show?
0: Just felt a little. I don't know.
1: Do not question up.
0: All right, watch the fucking movie and tell me what you think. Okay, I bet it was all. Here is what I am saying. It, it's upsetting to me because <laughs> right now, don't be. <laughs> no, you were saying Angela Bassett was wonderful and other things, which I've heard a lot of the reason fans were mad about this and to be honest on Twitter a lot of fans in the black acting community are sure. said about this Sure, is because they think that she's been knocking on the door forever for an Oscar mm. and deserved it for this well if, if that's the way people feel about Angela Bassett I don't look I don't think a fucking superhero movie should ever win a goddamn Oscar unless it's yeah. like The Dark Knight yeah. but if that's how fans feel about Bassett then Jamie Lee Curtis winning for that is the same thing because people think she's over. I think
1: that Jamie Lee Curtis is... Have you ever
0: seen Freaky Friday?
1: I think that Jamie Lee Curtis is... Uh, I love her. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. All the way back to even even her early genre movies like Halloween and stuff like that. Like She was great. Jamie Lee Curtis has done some of the best comedic performances by a female I've seen in films. From A Fish Called Wanda... To Freaky Friday Where she was very good To Trading Places With Eddie Murphy And Dan Aykroyd You familiar with that one Stevens I'm not Have you ever seen True Lies With Arnold Schwarzenegger
0: I have seen that one The Cameron
1: okay. movie Where she's his wife And he's the spy Okay and she sort of gets Sucked into the spy world And stuff like that These are great performances and well-reviewed performance She got lots of acclaim for her. Well the Oscars Never used to give out awards For like Comedic performances like this And especially to women So her co-star In A Fish Called Wanda Kevin Klein, Won Best Supporting Actor Uh, That year, and it was like the most triumphant ever for me because I love that movie so much, and it was so goddamn funny, and I laughed so much. I was probably thirteen. That I was glad to see him win. I don't even think she got nominated. She's had it coming. She's a she roots for Hollywood. She's a positive. she's she's good to work with by all accounts. She puts in good performances. She's you know she's a nepo. She calls herself the original uh, the original nepo baby because her parents were Tony Curtis and Janet Leigh, very acclaimed. And famous actors in their own right But I love Jamie Lee Curtis, man But I don't think it was I don't think this performance was Oscar worthy By any stretch of the imagination
0: Here's why I was really upset Is because people were fighting for Jamie Lee And Angela Bassett online And I'm sitting here like Did Carrie Condon not deliver the best female actress Lee, or uh, Supporting in Banshees? 100%. It's fucking
1: unreal Yeah And, uh, and then Stephanie Stephanie Issu was the other uh, From Everywhere All At Once So it was nominated in that category and um, who else was it? Kerry Condon and Bassett and Jamie Lee and someone else. Uh, who the fuck knows?
0: But tricky situation, man. That's controversial. Let me ask you this. The beloved fan favorite, return comeback kid, Brendan Fraser, yeah. takes the cake for best actor. Yeah. Was he the best actor?
1: I didn't see The Whale. We talked about this. I didn't feel like if I, I didn't know if I could sit through it.
0: I've seen was, a lot of whale I th- clips. I thought
1: it was going to be a tough sit for me. I haven't even seen clips, man. I was going beyond the trailer, and I probably need to.
0: <sighs> it's fucking. It's fucking sad, man. Yeah, dude. But, God, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Oh,
1: yeah. Who I was pulling for, of course.
0: But when you have a stack class, it's almost like I mean, look. It, I bet <laughs> Frazier's great in the whale. He is.
1: I really yeah. do. You know, like I think it's you know from what you've seen. You know, we were pulling for Colin. We were pulling for Banshees. This was everything, everywhere's year, man. There was no stopping it.
0: And also, I didn't quite predict what you predicted by sweeping, but I did say, episode eight, check me. I said all quiet should win some awards.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you talked about the score a little bit, too.
0: I did, and it won for that.
1: Jesus, we're both master prognosticators.
0: But it also took best cinematography and best international feature, which is kind of fucking cool. The
1: Wise Pals podcast. The Wise Pals.
0: Next year... Next Oscars, I want to be on the game. It is our job. Killers our, of the Flower Moon. And our duty to watch all of these fucking movies. I saw
1: almost all of them, man. I only didn't see... Uh, I didn't finish All Quiet. I didn't finish Tar. And uh, and I watched Triangle Sadness.
0: Oh, real quick. Uh, alert, buzz. Quick news for you guys. Yeah. Did you see Quentin Tarantino has announced... The title, the working title of his last flick, the movie critic, the movie critic, yeah, female lead, seventies based That's what they're saying from sets. Yeah, he's already in filming.
1: I think it's about. I think it's gonna be about Pauline Kale.
0: Is he weird? Does he move in silence like that? Like, no.
1: Once he starts, he'll, once that's cast, it'll be out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He can't. He can't really do that. Oh, he's I mean, like it's just weird. There may that. be supporting roles that are a bit, you know, uh, some dude like that. Yeah, but a f- female lead set in the seventies movie. Film called the Movie Critic, which is allegedly going to be his last movie.
0: And who did you say that would be about?
1: Uh, there's a reviewer named Pauline Kael. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's sort of considered the gold standard of film review. Uh, right. Film review.
0: He beat me in the snurd stuff. Yeah. Kael.
1: K, yeah. K a e l. Pauline Kael. Um, but beloved by some filmmakers, not so much by other filmmakers. Have you seen Willow? Yeah. Well, That's, the bad. My guy, dad loves Willow. Well, the bad guy Willow is named General Kael after her <laughs> oh really this gold mask yeah george lucas not her biggest fan but you know um but her and like uh, her and roger ebert and a handful of other andrew saris are like sort of like the gold standard of, of film reviewers and she really was great and insightful but she championed like a lot of independent filmmakers and she also had weird problems with very popular stuff um so she was polarizing but she could not be bought she was could not like compromise, and Tarantino is absolutely obsessed with her. He loves her,
0: but her word meant like like what she said had a yeah. an influence, yeah, okay, for sure. for sure, who do we have like that now if they uh shit on a movie, a lot of people around town me <laughs> 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 which. By the way, formulate your own opinions. Like what you like.
1: Yeah, dude, absolutely. But you dude. know, I say that all the time, man. I like to, I like so much weird stuff and genre stuff and nerd stuff that.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Matt's I, gonna go home tonight and watch The Fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, well, I mean, The Fly is a glaring <laughs> omission in your resume. Yeah. You watch The Fly, you'll understand. We you haven't seen Magnolia yet, motherfucker. I know. Yeah, we gotta have. Some, we, we just have some screening soon. Well,
0: but um, you haven't seen um. So
1: anything Tarantino does, obviously, it's day one. We're there, you know. To, to check it out, so that's that's exciting news. And the thing about the Oscars that you know, I sort of want to use to talk about our, our wrap up uh, or a wrap up discussion topic for the day is this is the first time in Oscars history that one film distributor slash studio has captured Oscars for every single one of the major categories. And it's not Warner Brothers, and it's not Miramax, and it's not Paramount, and it's not Disney. Who is it, Stevens? It's A twenty
0: four. A twenty
1: four. And it got me to thinking. We name drop A twenty four on every episode of this yeah. podcast. And I think that some of our listeners are familiar with what A twenty four is, but I think many aren't. I think we sort of just casually be like, I can think of a couple of times where I was like, oh, well, that's just A twenty four. It's you
0: know? like it's like if a SCAD student was a movie uh you know. Yeah. What I, mean? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean there's a they A twenty four is a distribution company founded only in two thousand and twelve which is not that long ago, by three partners. God,
0: that is not long ago And they sort of quickly
1: got in the game of doing very uh, independent, um, interesting, strange genre films, so, uh, many of which are horror, but not exactly all of them.
0: King of the thrillers, for sure.
1: Yeah, lots of, lots of thrillers, lots of bizarre stuff, lots of allegorical stuff.
0: I just remember when I first started watching A24 flicks, I was like, dude, these movies aren't afraid to get fucking... Grimy No You know And I think that's why I dig it I think that's why people dig it Because You know You want to watch weird shit You don't want to watch You know They grant cutter. people
1: A lot of artistic freedom A.K.A. Complete yeah. artistic freedom Yeah So a lot of these Up and coming filmmakers uh, Like Well a movie the Daniels Like everything Everywhere all at once I mean
0: That's a It's got to be a hard sell Right Yeah To, yeah. to another studio and, and, like, and, with,
1: and you know with and, and with an all Asian cast like that You know Yeah it wasn't easy, but they the A twenty four will write the checks for your weird film project if they believe in it and see that the right talents in it, and that's oh why God. they have guys like Ari Aster in their pocket, oh. because they rolled the dice on him for Hereditary, and then Midsommar. So I'm not going to talk too much about those movies, and now he's got his next one, Bo is Afraid, starring Joaquin Phoenix, coming out in the next month or so.
0: What was uh, what was your introductory movie to A twenty four? Because, well, dude, you, wait till I'm you hear mine. You, I'm
1: glad you asked, Stevens, because my introductory movie to, to A24, which I still fucking love, was Spring Breakers. Oh, nice. Starring James Franco and a couple Disney girls, directed by Harmony Corrine <laughs> of Kids fame. And, uh, you know, uh, sorry about it. Girls on Spring Break, trip goes awry in many ways. But right about halfway through the movie, they dropped James Franco into this movie. As a rapper named Alien,
0: he looks just like Riff Raff.
1: He looks just like Riff Raff, and he boosted some very some of Riff Raffs.
0: I think Riff Raff was pretty upset.
1: Riff Raff <laughs> was not happy with Spring Breakers, <laughs> but this performance
0: was so fucking good.
1: Now James Franco, like many of his peers, proven to be a piece of shit down the line. You know these guys just can't help themselves. But he was outstanding in his movie.
0: He's back though, no?
1: I could not stop watching him. I thought he should have been nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. That's how good he was in Spring Breakers. Yeah. Have you seen Spring Breakers? I
0: have. When I went and saw it in theaters, I snuck into it. You know that when it came out. You
1: know that. Uh, you know that mon- like that monologue that he has in his room where he's like, "Look at all my shit, Look <laughs> all my shit."
0: Vaguely, yeah. Literally,
1: she's going through all his weird belongings and stuff, and I. Um,
0: I went for Vanessa Hudgens, baby. I, I was just. That's who that cute. is, right? Yeah, yeah, she's in
1: that. And I was I was just dying and so it started with Spring Breakers but it goes um it goes farther than that like there's so many that I can't even break down all the ones but I'm gonna tell you some a24 movies let's do this you don't want to hear people, my introductory yeah yeah I'm sorry yeah go ahead tell me about your
0: dude the first a24 flick I watched was Swiss Army Man okay and have you seen this movie no oh no
1: I, I know look I, I know about it but
0: <sighs> okay well Ridiculous movie. Paul Dano plays a marooned, lost person on on in the woods. Yeah. Finds Daniel Radcliffe, our beloved Harry Potter actor, who is a corpse, and rides his corpse across the water. Uh, it's I can't even I can't even describe it. It's the most obscure movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Very
1: strange. Very strange. Like, He's this this corpse becomes his companion. And does speak to him through like flatulence and see, guys. It's so hard. It's hard to. This is A twenty four that we're talking about. You're like, oh, great, can't wait to see. Daniel it. Radcliffe but- plays
0: a dead body that farts for two hours. Yeah. And I watched this movie. And said, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Mm. And then I, immediately, you know, in my typical fashion, I go to Reddit or online and just read like the deeper meanings of this movie, dude. People have tried to spin this movie into some kind of. You know, me- metaphor that. Yeah, oh it's just yeah. a dead body farting. I don't know. I can't. But
1: I'll tell you some. I'll tell you some. A twenty four movies that some of you out there have probably seen. late on me. Uh, Spring Breakers is, is one. Um, the Spectacular Now, good. little romantic, um, romantic uh, film that was with um, our guy Miles Teller. Yeah. And I think that was that was a bit of a good one. And there's some. And there there's a lot of strange ones that I was certainly into seeing. If you've ever seen the Kevin Smith film Tusk? about uh, um, Justin Long being abducted and slowly turned into a walrus
0: by some sicko. He, that is uh, an insane movie, and it's my, one of my favorite film reviewers. It's a movie he said he'll never watch again.
1: Yeah, it was really gross, and uh, I would, watching that transformation was tough. Now, the first bomb that A24 dropped on me, in a good way, was in 2015, and there's a film called Ex Machina. Yeah. This had Oscar Isaac and... Um, and the uh, the Gle- Domin Hall Gleason, yep, and Alicia Vikander, all three of them, not stars at the time, now all very big stars. Great movie, and a film about a cybernetic organism going awry, yeah. played by Alicia Vikander. One of my favorite science fiction movies in the past twenty years, and it was a big deal for uh, Ex Machina, and they were working with Alex Garland directing it, who was the writer of Twenty Eight Days Later, and some other oh, very good films, and nice. also the director of Annihilation with Natalie Portman. <sighs>
0: That movie's insane.
1: So after Spring Breakers and Ex Machina, I'm like, okay, I got to start paying attention to this company.
0: And they've only done good, like, well, <laughs> uh, well,
1: they, yeah, they're not they're not strangers to Oscars. They did Room, which was a adaptation of a uh, a book about a woman and her son that were abducted and kidnapped and kept in a basement. Brie Larson was in it. She yeah, and that's actress.
0: that's John Goodman. No, no, who's the guy in it? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm thinking of the Cloverfield paradox. Yeah, way different. But that's like both the room, though, right? He,
1: yeah, no, he had he had that was like a, that was like a uh, like a doomsday prepping thing. Room was like some sick fuck. Okay, had that okay, lineup.
0: my bad. But you could see the correlation. there.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> one that you just talked about recently and rewatched recently, The Witch, came oh, out the year after Ex Machina. I love
0: Eggers. I love. And him.
1: that sort of broke Robert Eggers director. Anya Taylor joyer as a, as an actress. Yeah. As well, and this is genre stuff for the most part. Um, did you see Green Room, Stevens?
0: Oh, yeah. the uh, Roth movie? Or what's the guy's no, name? No, that's The
1: Green Inferno. That's oh. the kind of movie. Green Room is about a punk rock band.
0: No, I did not books see that
1: a one. a b- bad gig. Um, it was one of Anton Yelchin's last films.
0: Oh, no. Rip. And this
1: punk band goes afoul of um, some murderous white supremacists. And it's a gnarly like, sort of survival movie. Jesus. I highly recommended for you. Uh, but like I said, I'm trying to look at one. Swiss Army Man was here as well. Did
0: these guys do The Sound of Metal?
1: No, they did okay. not do Sound of Metal. Great movie. Uh, Moonlight was a big Oscar hit for them
0: One of my brother's favorite movies ever
1: In 2016 I have to admit I've yet to see that one um, So I'm just trying to familiarize with you guys With the stuff that A24 has done And you'll notice most of these are kind of horror movies But there's some really good dramas as well A24, um,
0: like What what they do a lot of the time The
1: Florida Project
0: Yeah, incredible movie A24,
1: The Killing of a Sacred Deer The weirdest uh, allegorical horror film ever made with Barry Keogh.
0: Do you like it? Yeah. Can I say something? I think why 824 is successful is because, you know, like a lot of movie studios try to do, they try to touch on, like, what's human about us. Yeah. But not in, like, a fucking cutesy way. I think they drop it on you in, like, the way it's dropped on you in real life, which is gritty, and it sucks. I like that. You know I what do. I mean? I
1: like that, and, uh, you know, it's funny because as I'm scrolling through this chronological list... There's the next release after the killing of a sacred deer is a movie I've talked about on the podcast before. I talk about the people all the time, and I'll keep talking about it until everyone I know sees it. And it's called Lady Bird from 2017. Yeah, and it's the best movie I've ever seen about mothers and daughters, and it's one of the best movies I've seen about teenagers. That's authentic.
0: And am I crazy? Or and it's
1: got Saoirse Ronan's in it, uh, in the lead, and Laurie Kellogg plays her mother.
0: It take, a, great it take an, an Oscar Kellogg. for something. Uh,
1: No, Laurie Kellogg lost. Uh, I think Gerwig won maybe screenplay for Lady Bird.
0: Uh, Okay, gotcha.
1: So, Greta Gerwig's next big project. you know what Greta Gerwig's next big project is? Barbie. Barbie, written and directed. Big Gamble coming out this summer. We have so
0: much... To look forward to,
1: yeah, yeah, we do. But Um, so, Lady Bird, I'd recommend. These are all. These are all. I think great.
0: Now, what has A twenty four done that was the biggest theater viewing bust that you and I have ever? Now, bust is actually a (laughs) word that will come into play. But (laughs) Matt and I went and saw The Green Knight, (laughs) reviewed wonderfully by people who saw it.
1: People were through the roof. Uh, The Green Knight caused more movie critic. Me, an an Arthurian,
0: a medieval Arthurian. Lover Yeah dude Went and watched this movie And fucking loathed it
1: The pieces were in place For us to have a good ex- We were excited about this one
0: The only good thing about this movie Was the ejaculate
1: Yeah there was a weird handjob scene In The Green Knight That gave us a moment of laughter We had a couple of pals That were sitting in the back of the theater Remember?
0: <laughs> Did we?
1: Yeah Miley was there With one of her friends Oh that's so right So like Okay we're not the only person People at least like mildly scoffing at this movie and how ridiculous it was.
0: Yeah, Miley was there. Oh. Um, the, the
1: Green Knight a Big Miss. Yeah, for... I'm Look, these guys aren't perfect.
0: Dude, people loved it, though. But yeah. here's what I'll say. I was not a fan of the movie, but visually, I thought about that movie for like a week. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they'll they'll plant shit in you, A24 will.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it seems like, you know, as I look through these, a lot of coming-of-age stuff seems to be in their wheelhouse. That's what I'm saying
0: um, about my whole human thing. Yeah, they eighth really grade, want you to you
1: see 8th grade? That was Bo Burnham, who... All the comedy nerds love since he did that uh, Inside show. No. I don't on Netflix ones. Eighth Grade was a good one. Uh, mid-90s, Jonah Hill's director, I was about to say, I didn't you.
0: see Eighth Grade, but I loved Mid-90s. Yeah, I think
1: a lot of people love Mid-90s. Um, these are movies that you can all stream pretty easily, guys. So if you want to yeah. know, like, what's the deal with A24? Ironically enough, you can pretty much stream everything easily, except everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yeah, which I had trouble. Which is but tough to get on. We've, sounds- uh, we've done plenty of time on Hereditary and Midsummer, but they're great horror movies if you want to see them. I think.
0: Oh, and...
1: The Lighthouse.
0: Oh, another Eggers movie. Wonderful. But what I was going to say, I think we touched on that la- last episode, you know, just my Eggers fixation. And But what I was going to say was um, A24 has rolled the dice and scored on actress and, up, you know, superstar now, Mia Goth. Yeah, dude. They've done flicks like X, got, Pearl. Yeah, you they know? get
1: X and Pearl through first few parts of a very interesting horror trilogy that I'm all in on. Um, almost won Sandler an Oscar with Uncut Gems.
0: Yeah, they're Um, doing it right.
1: Great, yeah. Um, And, you know, they have, um, you know, one of the first places I saw Riley Keough, the aforementioned Daisy Jones, was in a movie called Zola that they got a lot of publicity for uh, producing because Zola was based on a Twitter thread. You remember the Twitter thread about the girl telling a crazy story about she was a dancer and she met this other crazy dancer, and she was like, oh, girl, let's go down to Tampa this weekend. We're going to make some easy money and party, blah, blah, blah. And this turned into an epic thread on Twitter.
0: Uh, like a like a hot like a sexy dancer?
1: Yeah, an exotic oh. dancer, a, stri- a stripper.
0: Okay. but So this was a
1: true story. <laughs> this girl tweeted about her whole weekend, and it went mega viral, and it ended up like getting adapted into a screenplay. Damn. And uh, A24 did a, a version of it. What was it called? It was, Zola? It's called Zola, and it stars Riley Keough and our pal cousin, cousin Greg. From Succession.
0: <gasps> Nicholas Braun.
1: Yeah. Zola's, guys. Zola's good, man. Check that out, Stevens. Guys. S-
0: Succession. A week away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wrong?
1: Yeah, not this Sunday, the following Sunday. Oh. So you, can, you guys can get ready to start hearing about Succession every week. We will be recapping. I hope you guys watch it. If not, it'll just be brief ones like we did with The Last of Us.
0: That's going to be our new Sunday go-to. And my old man watches uh the uh, you know the famous Jaybird watches. He's a huge Succession fan. So me, you, Dad, Succession yeah, dinners, dinners, coo- podcast.
1: Yeah, every Sunday we got to Sundays. We got to start cooking again, and we'll have yeah, we'll have dinner. We'll have Succession. That'll be
0: awesome. Well, and we've done we've done almost an hour and ten.
1: Yeah, yeah. And How you got, I feel feeling? If you're a fan of independent film and you want to try and you want to and you want to see some some new different stuff, like look up A twenty four and check out the synopsis of the, of the I love this. I love this, I love this studio. I think they're great
0: They are.
1: They got a, they, they dabble in the TV a little bit too You know what their TV show is? No Euphoria
0: Oh that's them? Man. I thought that was just HBO
1: 824 don't play dude And if not all They're not all misses I mean I was urged by a lot of people Earlier this year To watch a film called Bodies 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 which was like a slasher esque, like kind of mystery movie. Oh. And I started watching it on a plane, and I checked out of that one about twenty twenty five. Uh,
0: who's the lead guy? Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson, who yeah. I don't necessarily
1: have a problem with. It wasn't a Pete Davidson thing. Can't blame him for it. Hey,
0: did you talk to our buddy Matt Robbins about the new Scream movie?
1: Uh, I told him it was, he asked me for a record. He saw that I said it. He's a big Scream guy. Yeah. Well, apparently, there's a lot of Scream guys. Um, um, Lydia is a Scream maniac. Apparently, Matt well, Robbins is a big Scream guy. That must
0: have really affected people, like in their. Almost like people who are about to be thirty really were affected by Scream. Huh? I
1: guess yeah. And my pal Ben Matthews that I was talking about earlier, uh, listener of the podcast, a uh, Scream authority.
0: Well, um, well, you got to think about Scream 2 Was like, I mean, that movie starts with a phone call, right? Like a yeah. to a home landline, yeah. and it's like to people. That's a, some weird it's shit.
1: Drew Barrymore. Yeah, For yeah, yeah. Scream, and it became something that happened. It's a a, a popular actor gets off to the beginning of every Scream movie.
0: Oh, but was she popular before that movie? She was very popular, and it okay. was
1: not. We didn't know that she was the center of the marketing campaign.
0: Oh, so her dying yeah, the off.
1: trailer was like her, like do like scary movies, and her on the phone, and so oh, know. so
0: her dying right in the beginning was not was a, was a was a it took fans back kind of
1: absolutely shocking Nice, yeah, it was like Psycho when they killed Janet Lee off in the shower. It's That's really what it was equated to.
0: I love when movies like curveball you, it, like obviously, but like I meant like from a marketing standpoint, you know.
1: Well, Scream also was a it was a it was a benchmark because it became a uh, self aware, like the people talking about these are the rules of the horror movie, and you know like it was very meta, and it was the first it was the first horror movie to do to take that lane.
0: And there's still a lot of grown adults with ghost face mask in their <coughs> Halloween bins in their attics.
1: Sure, but uh, what I would actually like to do later this week, Steve, is I going to talk about Scream on. In the next episode. Should we do a
0: slasher episode?
1: We're going to talk about Scream, the new Scream movie, which is very good, very good. It's probably uh, number two or three, in my opinion, and out of the six films. Nice. Um, and it's uh, it's interesting. It looks great. It's set in New York City, which takes it out of the suburbs for the first time. And there's a lot of stuff about it. But we've got a Scream expert on deck who's been doing some homework. Mm. Who's a fan of the pod that I do believe is going to be joining us. By the name of Ben Matthews, you guys probably know Ben as well. And we were to talk about some slasher films and some other stuff. But uh what do you think about that?
0: I'm all in. You I trust I trust anything.
1: You want to talk some slashers?
0: Dude. And I can get weird and watch some slashers again this week and Yeah.
1: Yeah. School up, school up. I don't know if you if you have time, you could see Scream Six. But
0: Um, yeah, I'll find it.
1: I have I have the have the notes on it. I think you should see it. Did you see Scream Five?
0: Yeah. Okay. I, with uh Quaid.
1: What did you think about it?
0: Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah, this I, one's. I, I didn't think it was. uh Those movies are a bit predictable. Yeah, to a degree.
1: Now this is the big test with this one. Is well, you know what? I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to give away all my fastballs. I yeah. got plenty of stuff to say about Scream and slashers, and lots of other stuff on the next episode of the Good Pal's Podcast. Guys, once again, thank you for all the support. If you haven't had an opportunity to do so yet. When you listen to us on either platform, Apple or Spotify, throw us uh, throw us a review, throw us a rating. How many stars do we like, Stevens?
0: We like five. But we like five yeah. stars. Like I said, form- formulate your own opinions. If you sat here for an hour and 13 minutes and thought this was a three, I don't want you to cheat yourself.
1: Yeah, but really, man, don't be like that. Give us a five. <laughs> Give us a five. Uh, comments, help, anything. And tell your pals about this show that I do with my pals, Zach Stevens, guys. I'm Maddie. Until next time, thank you for listening. Later.